0: Janeology.
1: Welcome back. I am your host Jane Goodfield. Hello, hello. I am back at it again for another episode of Janeology. So today I'm going to shine a little light of what's going on in Hollywood, not only in the present, but also the past. For those who do not know, I do have a degree in film and broadcasting. So this guest of mine that I will have is very intriguing to me and also will be for you. I'm looking forward to see what kind of future I'm walking into because my plan is to go to LA one day or one of those big cities and get myself in that business. I feel personally, since COVID happened, that there's been a shift in film and broadcasting. This goes along the lines of COVID tests, COVID restrictions, how many people can be on set, and I'm sure much more. But on a more positive note, we're gonna be speaking with this guest about things that were going on in the past in Hollywood, and I'm sure were much easier back then my goal one day is to be a producer in entertainment and films luckily for me my guest has a lot of experience in that it is my pleasure to introduce the one and only michael i levy
0: hello
1: hello how are you
0: okay sweetie tell me about what's happening in your life
1: i am right now just ready for this podcast are you (laughs) listen
0: i'm ready for everything
1: (laughs) i love that <laughs> so basically what's gonna go on is i'm just gonna ask you a little bit of your past and what you think's going on in hollywood right now and then i'm also gonna ask you questions at the end and we're just gonna kind of go through them
0: You're
1: all right are you ready
0: Byron.
1: all right perfect can you tell me a little bit about yourself
0: in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I became an electronics engineer uh, very early. I graduated college just before I was 21. Then came out to California, got a job at Douglas Aircraft, which was in Santa Monica. Couldn't stand it. And they told me, why don't you become an agent? I had no idea what an agent was. I thought it was a guy with a badge. I wound up getting a job the same second that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Same second.
1: That sounds like a very monumental moment for a lot of people who remember where they were in that exact moment of time, just like 9 11.
0: Now, I was making overtime when I was an engineer, so I was making about $300 a week, which in those days was a lot of money. And I started this job at $50 a week and did a lot of things that were unique. I saw How casting was done. I was watching a commercial casting. And I started selling clients on the side, our clients, into the commercial world. And they were getting checks and they didn't know where they came from. They sold the company uh, to a larger company and they had no room for me. And I went to work for a company called Phil Gersh Agency, which is... One of the top major indie agencies. I worked there. wound up doing really well. Signed a lot of young clients. Started to represent a lot of the New York clients like Robert Duvall, Gene Hackman, and people like that when I was really young.
1: Wow, that's really impressive.
0: I left there to go to be a pure literary agent to a man named George Leto. I started representing major writers and a lot of the blacklisted writers at the time. And got fairly successful at getting them jobs. And after that, I went to a company called Chartwell Artists, which was run by a man named Jerry Parentia. And Jerry Parentia was probably a brilliant, brilliant agent. He put the deal together between Lums buying Caesar's Palace and things like that. And I started packaging series like the 5 I had like five series on the air. One of the guys I used to deliver his laundry as well as his other things, a man named Al Bart, who handles most of the major composers in the world. And he worked at this company. We got very close. We decided to open our own business. 80% of every television and film that was done was done by a client of the office. I got to sign major, major showrunners. So I built a whole list of major clients. And shortly thereafter, Al and I split lovingly. And I went to partnership with a man named Paul Kona and became the Kona Levy Agency. And Paul represented Major Charlie Bronson.
1: That is amazing.
0: Most of his clientele are European directors. And I signed people like Alec Guinness and all the, in that day, major people. My philosophy is over-service to client. So we had 16 agents and 125 clients, of which 70% were always working. My philosophy is not like today. If you're a good agent, you should handle everything. So everybody handled writers, producers, directors, actors, etc. And then CBS offered me a job CEO and president of a new film group that was started. And we started with that. And what happened is during my reign there, They let me go and I found out three weeks later that they were selling CBS and the new people didn't want film division. So they closed two divisions and it was bought by the Lowe's family.
1: I'm sure that was very hard for you, but what did you end up doing afterwards?
0: I went and left to become a producer, made a deal at Fox, developed maybe 15 films in a year. I then left there to make a deal at MGM, which I had and made few pictures there. So I've made about 15 films and about four or five television series. The most important thing is I know how to make businesses happen. If I can see it or I understand it, I can make something happen out of it. If I can't see it, I don't get involved in it. Simple reason, I can't do anything about it. What was interesting about this is that most of us basically really stay in a niche. We stay in that area. I never really stayed in any area because that's not who I am then I've taught at USC, first at the undergrad level for four years, and then five years at the MBA level. That also changed, which I'll get into when the industry changes.
1: Sheesh, that seems like a lot of work. But what are you currently up to?
0: Right now, I put a group together and we've taken over a supplement business, which is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's just sensational. I got an exclusive deal with a company that's created a new kind of COVID protection device.
1: It's to my understanding that you got the highest award for a civilian for the movie Garden of Stone, correct?
0: Yeah, it's interesting, I got an award But because Francis Coppola directed it, I literally, he's like a god. But I also got an award for a picture called Franklin Alice from Voice. That is the highest award for the best picture of the year.
1: What year was that?
0: 2011, 2012. I've gotten into tons of different projects outside the business. I used to do 50 hours of charity work, hospitals with kids, helping the gay and lesbian group. And so my life has been eclectic. My friends are eclectic. Your father, Glenn, and most of my friends, interesting, are not in the entertainment business. 90% of my friends are either doctors, interesting, you know, lawyers, and businessmen, and women.
1: Do you feel like you thrive better in the film industry or outside of
0: that? You know something, business to me is all the same. The industry has totally changed from when I grew up. And I was 20s, you know, early 20s. And it was a lot of fun. Today, a lot of tension. And Fear Factor is running through this business, especially right now during the pandemic. I was talking to my son. He's a wealth manager. And he goes into the office every once in a while. He's got 60 people working with him. And only five people actually show up daily. Everybody works out of their homes. Everybody I'm talking to in the business today is working out of their homes. So, so when you look at that, it's a very different business than it used to be. It's very, very, very strict, run by very few people.
1: If you were just now trying to get in the business, would you still do it?
0: If I was young, yeah. Now, they only want packaged projects. What does that mean? A script, a director, an actor. Then you have a chance to get it made. And your timing has to be right. Example, I have two projects that are period, one with a major star, uh, Narco, a major director and a major writer, but it's period. They are so full of period, as you notice with the Emmys, all the period pictures want, but they've developed so many during the pandemic that they don't want anything new, even with a major package. They want something fresh and different. Long and short of it, it's a very different business.
1: What does that practically mean?
0: The most important thing in any industry, especially this business, is your relationships. And I told you, you got to go out to parties. you got to go out to screenings and introduce yourself to a lot of people. That's what I did when I first started. And I wound up being really close to the center of the business. What my career changed is I became very successful. And I was adopted by the older people in the business, people that ran the studios, the major lawyers the major talent managers, and I didn't hang out with the guys that I grew up with. Now, this is complicated, but Lou Wasserman, who ran Universal, had a deal to distribute United Artists International all this stuff internationally and it was a company called uip and uip handled all the universal a couple of independents and all of united artists so he waited till we had a deal look like we were going to structure it and then he came in and said you can't make a deal for your foreign product we have so the deal died just like those are the things that get you in a lot of trouble because you don't know who owns what and who's going to do what that was a major deal.
1: So basically, all that work was for nothing.
0: Interesting. It you know, got me into other people in the other world outside of show business. And I used to raise money for films, television, businesses, etc.
1: Drumroll, please. It is question time. Are you ready for it? Oh, please. <laughs> so starting off with question one who was your favorite movie star to work with and the favorite movie you've ever made
0: my favorite movie is spartacus and i named one of my dogs spartacus <laughs> i just loved it i represent a lot of people but my favorite client was robert Niro. i'll tell you a funny story he used to live with me when he stayed in hollywood when you do movies and everything else and it was just crazy fun just a lot of laughs now, Robert DeVall never drank. I don't remember him even swearing. He was a very religious, I think, it was a Episcopalian. He took me for my first horseback riding. So we went to Burbank, said, get on this horse. And he said, this horse is a follower. That's what he asked for. At Burbank, you go over a bridge and then you go into hills and all of that. Now, Bobby DeVall is an expert horseman. I have a cowboy saddle, and I'm bouncing my ass off the <laughs> All of a sudden, This horse stops, and I go right over the head of this horse. Slopped on my ass. Thank God it was in my head. And Bobby came and said, see, see, it's so easy. I told him what happened, and he laughed his ass off.
1: (laughs) Sounds like something that would definitely happen to me.
0: I'm having a book rep by the way. About you? Yes, and I'll tell you how small this world is. I represent two writers that I love as people, and they're really talented. I said I'd never do this again, be an agent manager. One of the guys, Alan Mandel, I knew him 30 years ago. We got in touch. I put him into a business with my other friends, and they're doing exceptionally well. He makes a ton of money. I mean, millions. Every year, of course, of the people he represents with the largest sports management business in the world. IMG, all the major tennis players and all the golfers on the Palmer came to me. and said, I wanted to get to know you other than, you know, you tell me. So I did a lot of investigation about you. He said, I want to write a book about you. <laughs> he said, no, I'm
1: serious. He started telling me things I forgot. What is the name?
0: We're not sure. And he's going to find the title for me. He's a genius at this. They do business with top 50 retail companies in America.
1: All right. To be decided.
0: (laughs) It is. So I I knew a lot of actors.
1: How was Holly Berry?
0: She was nice. She was not a pain in the ass. Very strict in what she wouldn't do.
1: As in? The
0: the picture I did with her, Frankie and Alice, took me 25 years to get made. Wow. i didn't get it made she got it made
1: because of her name and status or
0: her her name made the picture happen and it raised the money independently out of canada but she did all of it i must be i did all the producing structuring and all of that but she was she had such specific things very different from the script more about her you can look at it on television it's on cable
1: definitely we'll have to do that how was working with jack nicholson
0: That's the great stories about Jack Nicholson. Only fun. He is the fun guy of America. When I started in the agency business, I didn't know what actors did. And my best friend out here, Eric, was an actor. He said, why don't you come to an acting class? So I went to an acting class. In that class was Nicholson. That's how I met Jack. About seven stars that wound up television series and everything else.
1: So he was just starting?
0: No, no, he was working. He was a writer at first, a screenwriter. The thing that changed Jack's career, the motorcycle film, and that's the thing that made his career. Going to acting class, he was fun and did all these exercises with everybody else. Just And then one day, teacher said, leave Prepare prepared for next week, you're going to do an exercise. I said, what? I'm not an actor. He said, in fact, let's do it now very little gets me crazy but this did every night they had class twice a week they would go out and leave me they wouldn't let me go with them because I wasn't part of the group and I'd go home and uh, my friend Eric would go off with them and, uh, and I got up I swear to you I never heard my heart before <laughs> banging in my ears and I had to get up to a larger than life exercise and so I sang, Happy Days Are Here Again, kicking my feet up in the air, my arms, and do every fucking thing you could think of. When I was finished, the class, quiet, no one moved, everybody looking at me. That's when you feel like you can go into a hole, and they all got up in unison. They had planned this, got up and applauded me. At the end of the class, when I was going, where are you going, then? I'm going home. Coming with us.
1: That moment
0: on, I was part of the class. You made it. Then I wound up getting some actors out of that class. Jack Nicholson adopted me with his group, and his group were major guys, Lou Adler. And I wound up getting major clients. I represented nine of the 10 blacklisted writers, maybe seven or eight of the other non blacklisted communist writers. And I built a major career.
1: So basically, you taking that acting class definitely paid off.
0: When I got one of them a major job at Disney, Disney hated communism. He wasn't so friendly about Jews either. But that's the whole business. I got these two writers who blacklisted, who couldn't leave, called Tom and Helen August, changed their name to Al and Helen Levin. And they wrote a series called Monkey's Uncles, a series of movies, two of the, three of the biggest hits disney had in those days he wanted to meet the writers so i had begged him to take me along i mean begged him. i said i want to meet disney god damn it i'll never meet him and i went to meet Walt disney in his office and disney in those days when they built the studio because world war ii is still going on they built like a hospital rooms that were like hospital rooms corridors that would be able to take patients down the width of them and all of that and small offices. And Disney had about half a block of my life. And I never saw so many golden awards in my whole life. There must have been 40, 40, 40, 50 different Oscars and other awards in this room. And he was the sweetest guy. I couldn't believe this was Walt Disney from the things I heard. So my life was really based on other people. It always has been on other people. Well, what I can say about who I am in, in business, I'm a chemist of people and business. I can put the right people in the right places in the right businesses. So I built a big business. The stupid thing I did is leave it. But I got so bored after 20-something years of so listening to the same complaint. And the worst problem about being an agent, Monday morning, you never know who's going to call and say, listen, I'm leaving
1: Are movies changing today?
0: Today to make a film, it's either from a very, very known known piece of work or an article that's unusual, but it's packaging. you got to get an actor interested, and that's why the big agencies have an advantage over the independents. And it's about, you know, material. It's all about material.
1: What do you think that says about the audiences?
0: Audience are younger. Now, because of streaming, the theater business is really taking a shot at it. They are getting... In the position of losing audience, at least the older audience from 45 and up, who can watch streaming, watch it on television, for them to go spend $20 a person to go to the movie. Only big pictures, only pictures with big names of people going to go out to see.
1: What you're saying is if you're not in the streaming business or have a big name, then you're kind of shit out of luck.
0: Yep. If you have a good piece of material, you know how really maneuver. And get the people to help you because the material's so good. That's the thing that wins. The guys with money now can buy up all that stuff. Agents are not giving it away like they used to. What it is is the major agencies that major the power in the business. He who controls the software of an industry controls the industry. And software in this business is talent.
1: How much role do you think politics play in the production of new movies?
0: The problem is a lot. Look at magazines and look at films and televisions because of the new movement, which I think is a little overdone here, but it's necessary. I have a, a series called Sherlock Holmes, based on a series of books that's really risque and fun. And we had to re- Sherlock Holmes as a black man. It's great that way. It's unique. But now we know there's an edge to, oh, let's see that. And that's what's happening in the business. It's, it's becoming politically correct.
1: Is that good or bad?
0: For me, as a liberal, I think it's great. Me, as a businessman, I don't think it's very good.
1: I've been doing this
0: for 50 years plus. So you learn some things. A lot of things are very different.
1: I feel like it's a good thing, though, that not every show is just about white people and i feel like there's so no, much I, more than that
0: no but i support it because another thing this is an eclectic world it's the writer that means something to me television i says it's the person it doesn't matter what color they are I wish everybody was colorblind everybody saw everybody's green because when you see a new way to do a project that you love the background of that world you want to watch it
1: don't you believe though because obviously film has a huge impact on society if we're trying to become all one unit and not see color basically everyone's one don't you think film is a good way to kind of ease everyone's mind into that
0: film is an opener to the door politics is more where it's at in other words you're not gonna change society. You gotta change the laws. And to me, that's what the business is about. is telling good stories involving whoever is right for the story. Entertaining. As long as it's entertained, it doesn't matter. If you look at that Chinese film that did so well. It had nothing to do with the main Chinese. It had to do with the story. It was wonderful. I used to have a deal with Dick Wolf, who does all these
1: shows. Didn't he do Law and Order?
0: All of them. Chicago Fire, all the Chicago shows he his. He's just magnificent about idea creation and follow through. We did a picture together, Masquerade. It was one of the best experiences i ever had just enjoyable enjoyed watch his creation i always bring the writer onto the set and i made him the executive producer on this project because he deserved to be him working with the director the night before the afternoon at lunch to get new things that were in a piece by his rethinking rethinking and the invention of rethinking this is a business about invention you have an idea but then what does it end like what does it look like at the end if you look at First draft script, and a final script, you see how totally different it is. Not in concept, but the ingredients inside it, the direction of character, that's what makes it really interesting.
1: Movies are obviously very expensive to make, but do you think the primary factors in making a movie has changed?
0: There's only two levels of movies. 20 million, 25 million, those pictures are not happening very easy. Under six, you got independent financing. Example, the head of content at Apple, kind of friendly with me. And he said, listen, he gave me two pieces that I love. We need something that opens people's eyes. Big, big piece of work with a giant package. That's what we're looking for. And the only ones that can deliver that, to be honest, with our agencies, or our management company, or unless you find a piece of material that you can attract talent. Well, I have two that I'm going out with, and I think they'll be hard sells. Why? Simply because they're period. No one wants period, and that's the big problem.
1: What does that mean? The
0: period thing is like the things that won the Emmys, but they, they have so many, and because of the pandemic, they developed so many projects. Let's call it period world. One guy's developed the American Revolution and all of that, so they have too many of them, and I, unfortunately... have. Took all this time to put a package together of a major star, major director, major writer. The other one, I have a major showrunner. Really difficult to do.
1: Do you feel like film plots are more simple or complicated since you've been in the business?
0: Much more complicated. Getting a picture made is much more difficult today.
1: Do you think it's because of the viewers?
0: No, because of what the distributors have a need for. Example. When I was an agent, I got to the head of a studio, deliver the project. He had only two or three people working with him. That's it. Today there's sixteen people in that room. Problem one. Each one has a project they want to get going. So anything new coming in better be gone with the win because they all fight for their own projects. So getting consensus is very difficult unless you have a big package that they can't refute. So the studios realize all their money and you got to remember, it's not about profit and loss. It's about cash flow. Let's say they make a $150 million picture. It opens up to, let's say, $100 million worldwide. You got a chance to get your money back. But what it's doing is churning in everyday money. And the way they do studio accounting is much different.
1: So, what I'm hearing is that it's not your normal accounting.
0: I have a contract that basically says I get a percentage of the gross after the following five things are deducted and they're all normal costs. or costs like distribution fee. But the normal deal is you get a piece of the profits. I only have one picture out of 18 18 films that I ever got profits on and we had to sue for that.
1: Sue,
0: We had to sue them to get our money. How come? We got a million dollars between all of us and it went out again and the lawyer said, "You're wasting your time with this. You know, you'll wind up a hundred grand, and it cost you hundred The business works on economics. Charles Goldberg, who used to own Paramount, told me one day, "These computers went down; we lose our business because they're designed in such a way to do studio accounting, not normal accounting."
1: Have you Everything. seen that Paramount is now doing a streaming service? Yeah. What do you Paramount think about Plus. that?
0: I know the head of that. They're all doing it because they have libraries, great films, series they own, and the new stuff they'll make directly for the the service itself. Now the theaters are just opening up, but I don't know for how long.
1: A lot of the movie theaters are just showing reruns of older movies.
0: Because they're on them.
1: So if you were able to produce a movie right now, what genre do you think would be most successful in?
0: Action comedy. Why is that? It's a four quadrant project for young people only. Second quadrant is for fifteen to twenty. Third quadrant is for twenty five to forty five and forty five and up is the fourth quadrant. When you say you have a four quadrant movie that's everybody wants to see it. Some pictures don't play in certain areas. But action venture comedies play all over the world
1: do you think the studio system is going to be gone forever for example covid restrictions and so on
0: no i don't think so i think that they're the ones that know one they distribute they're going to change their model over the years because costs are so high i was one of the highest paid executives in the business when i was at cbs that wouldn't even be a salary for a year for one of the mills and vice presidents of a studio
1: it truly is a money-driven business
0: things are going to change here i think they have to change because there's an imbalance in the business And that imbalance really happens to do with the structure of how the business is. If the studios each make 10 movies, big movies each one, you're talking about 60, 70 movies a year, medium to large movies. There are over 3,500 movies made a year. All over. Little Joe making his little film in Texas and tries to get it, going to the festivals. And you go to the festival circus that I once used to go to, all of them. You see all these, some little great films, but no distributor. They know they cannot monetize the cost of prints and advertising. And today, not in my time when I was selling, but it was... The story. Now the story goes into one, the sales department. Can you sell this? Two, then it goes to the marketing and branding company. Can we market and brand it? It's no longer the creative thing. It's the business aspect of the industry that's now the, the leader.
1: For a producer like myself who wants to go in this field or an actress or actor, what advice would you give?
0: Let's take the actor away for a second. You try to get a job as an intern so you can look how the business is run inside. You may know a lot. You think about the outside looking in, but when you're on the inside looking out, very different. Or see who in your relationships has a relationship with somebody that means something, mm-hmm. a producer. And see if you get in to that office working for them as a recommendation. So you go through your list of friends, and who knows who, and who knows what. Then the other thing as an actor, that's the hardest part. Because as an actor, here's what happens today. A casting director sits there and has three piles. Submitted by an agency, a management firm. Another pile submitted by friends and other things. And the third pile is just general submissions. They push the third and the second pile right onto the floor. In their desk... They have a list of actors, a whole stream of actors and pictures and everything else to find what kind of roles they should be in. And you gotta get into that box. Someone's gotta notice you. You gotta be able, that's what I'm saying, relationships are all the things that mean that, especially for actors. Today it's very hard for you to age it. you an agent. They don't make money.
1: Do you think it's yeah. easier to be a producer than an actor? Because there's more need for producers?
0: No, there's no more need for producers. Because his only value today is the material he has.
1: How do you think that having this career path has affected your personal life?
0: It's all consuming when you're young. I got married four times. It wasn't because of the right reasons, but that's beyond the point. It was to calm me down, really. Nice ladies and everything, all but the last one, as your father and I called her headless daughter. For me, it's settlement and family. I had to go home. I would work before I got married. I get into the office at six in the morning. I go all the meetings and everything else and get home about nine to twelve every day.
1: PM? PM.
0: Every weekend I'd work about five, six straight hours. So
1: no days off. So
0: I didn't take any days off. And still I don't take days off now. I do some work on the weekend, but I stop myself now at 8.30. I started at 8 this morning, out to meeting, whatever, and I'll finish about 8.30 with all these stupid emails. 90% don't mean anything. And you got to be able to find some, some access. It's going to places that people will see you, get to hear you, hear your vision. I met my ex-partner at a party, you know, an industry gathering. And he has a young assistant. He just hounded him to get a job. This kid's sensational. He's to help him actually get back into the business. And, you know, he follows up, he calls, he talks to all the young people in the business. But you can't do it from where you are. What does that mean? This is not a long distance business. You gotta be here. You cannot, unless you're a writer, go work any place. You can't be an actor who works in the town, Pennsylvania, it's great in a little theater. You have no idea what those buses used to be like coming into town. It's a great old story So it's really being in the world you wanna be.
1: Do you have any advice for my generation going into the business?
0: Yeah, just pursuit. I taught a lot of people your age some were in it some were in college and graduated their classes became mba students and got jobs in the other fields in a bit accounting and all of that they wanted to be in management studio overheads so it's about relationships that you have going out with your peers and hearing everything that's going on that's how i learned i mean i was an engineer i didn't know shit i didn't know what they're talking about definitions of the singular profit for multiple profits and all of those things and i had to learn, but i learned every saturday i went into the office when i was system and i go into the files and read all the files every deal making file I'll take them home go through and read them see what was similar what was changed what was active deals who the actors clients were what the history was a lot of them I knew because they were movie stars Like my two favorite actors growing up were Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster. Fortunately, I have a chance to meet them and spend little time with them. But the only way you can do that is being in the business. If I were you, I would focus on being an agent. Forget executive or anything else. Because you can always leave there. You learn to deal with talent. You learn how to negotiate deals. You learn how the studio structure works. You learn from the outside what you got to do. And you go to the big agencies, you learn some. You look at most of the studio executives or agents or some form of that. Work yourself up. And I can open some of those doors for you.
1: That would be so helpful.
0: Every generation is out of the business, falling apart. Well, it's not falling apart. Still making movies, still doing television, more television than ever before. Streaming has become the new yes. I came up with a lot of of invention in my time. I went to when I was at CBS I went to Bill Paley, who was chairman of CBS. And I said, Why don't we go to the bigger theater chains and make a deal to be able to have the air rights above their building? So many satellites at CBS devote one to giving product into theaters. And then you charge the people to get into the theaters through your system. And then you charge them to be a client of the system. So every picture of theirs that goes into the system, they pay you for. But for having the right to get into the theaters, you have to pay an access fee every year. She actually thought I was insane. What do you think they're doing today? (laughs) And this is in the 70s. My brain thinks like that, but doesn't mean the timing is good.
1: Do you have anything else you would like to add?
0: This is an exciting business. No matter what, it's the people are excited, different. You share such intimacies of knowledge and insights to their lifestyles and where they were, and what they're making like this, and their exciting ideas. You need to focus on what you're willing to do to get there. There are so many young people coming into this town all day long trying to get into the business. Why? It's sexy. It's a sexy business. Want to sell mattresses? You make money, but it's not sexy. The people are sexy. The the world is sexy. The travel is sexy. The design of the industry is sexy. And I had a meeting yesterday. Really showed me how the business is different. Two young guys and under, under 30. One woman, she may have been close to 30 or just above 30. A guy near 40 myself, and this other guy who's maybe in his 70s. So we're talking about this business deal, and he said, I gotta stop it. I gotta tell you the funniest joke I've heard in years. And he tells this joke, and four of us laugh our asses off. I mean, literally laugh our asses off. The other two guys, and the girl, just, like, hello, next. Let's get on with this. No humor, and I'm, I know fun. And so do the three other guys. It doesn't register. Their the, the heads are not into a universal field. It's just the business. I got to get this done. It amazes me the joy of this business is gone, as I knew it. But you have your own joys here. But we used to go out in groups. Different agencies, different management companies, Now it's frowned upon if they see you with it because they think you're leaving. They don't trust you anymore. And the money's so big. Some of these young guys are making over a million dollars a year.
1: Why do you think that is, that it's so big?
0: Because they handle major people. You aren't as important as the client you have. Not about how much you work and how good you do. It's only the client base that's important to you. And there's other ends of the business, the corporate side, where you're working in the corporate departments. You're not going to walk into a high-salary job. A friend of mine, son, got friendly with one of these big television actors. I can't think of his name now. And now they're partners. This kid is 23 years old.
1: That's and my goal. <laughs> he
0: but he did it by going to a party and going up to the guy and have I'm a giant fan of yours.
1: And I said, really?
0: Instead of the guy going out and saying goodbye, he sat with him for about an hour and a half. He says, how would you like to come work for me? That's how things happen, Kismet here. And that's what they do.
1: Wow, I'm definitely taking a lot of mental notes right now, and I cannot express enough how much I've learned and appreciate you just spending this time talking to me and giving a little bit of an insight of what's going on in Hollywood and your experience that you've had. My people will talk to your people.
0: Whenever you need me, I, young lady,
1: you're mine. Right back at you.
0: <laughs> if you need advice, what you're gonna do, don't do it without telling you before you
1: do doing. Oh, you're the first person I'll call. So that is the one and only Michael I. Levy, and I learned so much today. And I think that it's a lot of information that people would probably not know unless they're in the industry. From Janeology, I am Jane Goodfield, and I will be back next week with another guest. I can't wait for you to hear it because I am super excited about this one. Ciao, let's take a lunch, darling.